This is the message from Connection Community Church for the week of February 21st, 2010. East of Eden, God, I don't sense you. Well, today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent, it's a season in the church that runs from Ash Wednesday, which was just this past Wednesday, to Holy Saturday, which is the day before Easter. Now, you won't find Lent mentioned in the Bible. You can read it cover to cover. You're not going to find that word and that season mentioned because it's something that, that the church dreamed up. But the church dreamed it up because this is an important time. You see, it's a journey. It's a season. Lent is the time to prepare. It's the time to prepare for Easter, for the risen Christ, the time to get our hearts ready and to realize that we have this God-shaped hole that only Jesus can fill, that we are in need of, of a Savior. And so such a time as this where it's a time for introspection, it's a time for reflection, and a time for self-examination. It's a time to recognize that we're mortal, that we're not going to be here forever, that there's a time to be born and a time to die. Yeah. It's also a time to realize our sinfulness and that our only hope is in the one, is in the one who will hang on the cross three days before Easter. So good morning, Connection Church. I'm Alan Jones. Morning. morning. Yeah. And I'm Carrie Jones. And we're two sinners who've been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Mm, holy God. God of creation, thanks for the day you created for us today. I pray that we use it for your glory. Thank you for calling us together. I thank you for those who are here as we share worship together, as we praise and glorify your holy name. I pray that uh, as we share in your word that you will uh, open our hearts to your spirit, that you will bring transformation to our lives, not just today, but through eternity. We ask these things in Christ's name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. And all those who were gathered here today to praise you said, Amen. Amen. And so on Wednesday night, we began this season of Lent, and the Christian church identifies Wednesday night as Ash Wednesday. And it's a time when we look at our mortality, as I said. Now, what we shared on Wednesday night is that, you know, we really had it made. We just had it made. Everything was right. Everything was good in the beginning. There was this garden, and it was great. Now, the garden was paradise. It was the Garden of Eden. We had it all. We had vegetation at our fingertips. We had everything we needed to wear. You know what I'm saying? Complete freedom. But there was one thing that we did not have freedom with. God made it very clear there was one tree right in the middle of the garden that was hands off. Yep. 
couldn't miss it. It was right there. And we were told not to touch it, so of course, <laughs> we touched it. <laughs> Just to make sure God wasn't kidding. And he wasn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't kid a whole lot. And, and, and when we ate the fruit from the tree, sin entered the world. And then we were driven out of the garden, and the entrance was guarded. <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess it was still possible to come back to the entrance. We couldn't come in, but we could come back to the entrance and maybe dream about what could have been. Remember how it was. Think about what we had lost. There are some who believe that it was at the entrance where they then brought their sacrifices to the Lord. Sacrifices. Sacrifices to God. Now that's what caused some trouble for Adam and Eve's kids. They were Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices and God looked favorably upon Abel's sacrifice, but not on Cain's. Now we're not really sure why this is, why God showed favor to one and not the other. But we know that God spoke to Cain. Cain was really ticked off. (laughs) That he spoke to Cain and told Cain to do what was right. But Cain didn't. And so, like his parents, he did not listen to God. And he took his brother Abel out in the field and he killed him. Here's what's happened next. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? (laughs) I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops to you, for you, and you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me out from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived where? In the land of Nod. And where's that? Say it again. East of Eden. It's interesting that word Nod means wanderer. So he was in the land of the wanderer. And where was it? East of Eden. No longer in the garden. No longer in paradise. Not even at the entrance to paradise. Out from the Lord's presence. East of that. Separated. Separated from God and one another. Distant. East of Eden. This metaphor that we're using, that east is the direction away from God, is used 
in several places in in Genesis. For example, Genesis chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, we read that Lot set out for the east where he parted company with Abraham. He pitched his tents near Sodom. Bad move. Bad move. Because as Sodom, along with Gomorrah, they were destroyed by the Lord. Bad places, Sodom and Gomorrah. Give you another example. Abraham, you've all heard of Abraham. Uh, He left everything when he died to his legitimate son, Isaac. But while he was living, he gave gifts to some other sons that he had had, uh, that he had fathered through his concubines. And it says in Scripture that he sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. East. And so we have this idea, this metaphor that when we head east, we're heading in the wrong direction. We're heading in a direction away from God's presence, in a direction that's contrary to where God would want us to be a direction where God does not want us to go. As we head east, we move away from God. East of Eden. East of Eden. This has come to be the place where we dwell as well. No longer in the garden. Paradise, but a distant memory, if we can remember it at all. And like Cain, we're not even at the entrance to the garden. We too dwell east of Eden, separated from those around us, but even more importantly, separated from the one who who, uh, desires relationship with us more than we know, more than we understand, more than we can even begin to imagine. And yet, In the midst of this separation, we have this longing. We long to be close to the one who created us. We are desperate to be close to God. We have this hunger because we're lost without him. We are lost when we're separated from the God who created us. We are lost when we are east of Eden. And so, right now, we want to take a moment and kind of focus on that. We're going to push pause, and we're going to have some prayer time in our seats. And I'm even going to be bold right now. If the Lord wants you out of your seat and on the steps, do whatever the Lord tells you. That's, that's a good thing. Or go back in the prayer corner. But we're going to pause, and we're going to reflect on how desperate we are For the Lord. Even though we're desperate for God, even though we are lost without God when we are east of Eden, there are times when we try really, really hard and and we don't sense God's presence in our lives. You know, it's like we have this this thing, God, I I don't feel you. 
God, I don't see you. God, I don't hear you. God, I don't sense you. God, where are you? And it's always so hard when you feel like that, isn't it? God, where are you? You know, sometimes it, it, it hits you mild, not that overwhelming, just slightly, gently. And sometimes it's very dramatic and overwhelming. For me, probably the most dramatic was several years ago. I may have shared this before, before I even went into ministry. Um, I was involved in church. I was t- helping with children's church. I was going to uh, early service. I was still wor- I was worshiping. I was um, uh, teaching an adult uh, Sunday school class Bible study. In the evening, I was working with the youth group. I was on the board. You know, I was doing churchy things, you know, feeling I was doing what I was called to, what I was gifted for. And uh, and um, I was selling insurance at the time. And and I got this feeling it was like um, being in the wilderness. And I don't mean wilderness like the Bible because that's the desert, but I mean North American wilderness, like uh, forest, like undergrowth, like, um, like I'm looking and I'm praying, I'm saying, God, where is the path? Show me where the path is. I'm in all this underbrush. Where is the path? And I keep asking God, show me the path, show me the path. Where am I going, Lord? Where do you want me to go? I can't find the path. And this went on for about, I don't know, 18 months, two years is my recollection. That's a long time to be looking for the path, to be feeling kind of, where am I to go, Lord? To not be getting any answers, to be praying and praying and not getting, and not just not getting answered, but feeling like God isn't even listening. Are you even there? Hmm. Uh, you know, the thing is, I'm sure he was listening. I, I just wasn't feeling like I was getting a whole lot back from him. At least, at least it didn't seem so. Lord, where are you? <laughs> Lord, where am I? And, and Lord, where do you want me to go? Lord, I can't hear you. Lord, I can't see you. Lord, I can't feel you. Lord, I don't sense you. Lord... Where are you? Where are you? Maybe you've been there. Maybe, maybe you're there right now. It's, it's not an enjoyable place to be. You feel so separated, so isolated, feel so distant. You feel so east. Of Eden. Well, you're not alone. We're, we're not alone in this. Read through the scriptures. <laughs> Read through the scriptures and, and you find a lot of people feeling the same. You find the spiritual giants of the Bible feeling this way. <laughs> Look at David, the king of Israel. The king of Israel. Read through the Psalms. David wrote most of the Psalms. Read through the Psalms. You know, in some of those Psalms, David is soaring with the eagles. Man, praise you, Lord. Everything is great. You're my God. I'm your guy. We're making it happen. (laughs) And yet in others, David's wondering, God, where are you? 
Listen to the words from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted in you, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Why are you so far from saving me, God? So, so far from the words of my groaning. Sound familiar? Maybe you've been there. And this is King David, the king of Israel, God's chosen one. His fair-haired and red-haired boy. And those words that he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do they sound familiar? Oh, yeah. Those are the words that Jesus cried out as he was hung on the cross hundreds of years later. You're not alone. We're not alone in these feelings that we have. David shared our feelings of, God, I don't sense you. God, where are you? And there even came a time, there even came a time when Jesus himself felt distant from his Father in heaven. So so what do we do when we're feeling like that? God, God, I don't sense you. God, where are you? What do we do? Well, one thing we do is we wait. (laughs) And we continue to do the things that we do when we feel God near. The God connecting things. For me, I continue to work with the children's church. I continue to teach the adult uh, Sunday school class. I continue to worship. I continue to work with the youth group. And most especially, I continue to pray. Continued to seek that path in the wilderness, trying to be patient as I waited. And like the girls just shared in that song, I, I cried out with no reply. I can't feel you by my side, so I'll hold tight to what I know. You're here, and I'm never alone. You know, it's interesting. 
we just talked about Psalm 22 when King David was feeling that east of Eden feel, far from God, distant, separated, that God didn't hear him, sense him, feel him. And he was just crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was Psalm 22. What comes after Psalm 22? Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, David expresses his confidence in the Lord. And it is perhaps the most comforting psalm in all of the psalms, in all 150 of the psalms. It's that comforting, close to God psalm. And so let's share Psalm 23 together right now. Let's say it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I hear an amen to that? In in the Old Testament, in 1 Kings... 19. There's just a great story that I just love dearly. We, we find the prophet Elijah on the run uh, after he's uh, done what God commanded him to do, and he's done a little my God can beat your God showdown with some of the, uh, some of the prophets of uh, Baal, who was a god of the Canaanite people. Anyway, uh, as a result uh, of our God winning that and some prophets being um, put down as a result. (laughs) Um, The king and queen, especially the queen, get a little upset, and uh, they're uh, after Elijah. He's he's on the run, fearing for his life. (laughs) So he travels to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and he hides there in a cave for the night. And and here's, here's what happens. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord our God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. I love that line. (laughs) And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Wow. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain, mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle 
whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Hmm. There's a contemporary Christian songwriter. His name is Stephen Curtis Chapman. And he wrote a song a number of years ago. And the words in, in this song really do fit with this scripture. He wrote, are you waiting for lightning, a sign that it's time for a change? Are you listening for thunder while he quietly whispers your name? You know, sometimes we have so much trouble hearing God, seeing God, feeling God, sensing God, because we are just too, too busy. And we're making so much of our own noise that we don't hear. And this is an important time for us to just settle down and listen. Just settle down. You might have heard the saying, busyness is, is contrary to godliness. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go to the Bible for another uh, truth that we can lean into. It's Psalm 46, verse 10. You might have heard it before. Be still and know that I am God. Say that with me. Be still and know that I am God. You know, sometimes it's hard to be still <laughs> and quiet and patient and waiting, especially when we're feeling far from God, when we're east of Eden, when we're desperate. And often what we really like is for God to come out in a big way and let us just know that he's there. Can I hit up an amen on that one? You know, really big, like... Yes, I've been visited by God. No questions asked. Of course, even then, we'd probably still not be sure. But, you know, one of those, like a miraculous healing. Oh, yeah. We love them. We know God visited when it was a miraculous healing. Or, or maybe we could get to do the Paul, uh, the Paul thing on the road to Damascus, where knocked down, blinded, with scale-like things over our eyes for three days, and here the literal voice of Jesus the Christ. Now, now we'd be cooking, right? Yeah. You know, that sounds a little scary. <laughs> but at least we know for sure that God was there and he heard me. Yeah. It's a theologian. His name is Craig Barnes. And he shares this. He says that perhaps our yearning to have something big like this happen is indicative of how hard a time we sometimes have with finding God in the everyday. In the everyday, in the, in the routine, in the common moments of our lives. And, and Craig writes this in his book, An Extravagant Mercy. He says, yet, in claiming that God became flesh and dwelt among us, Scripture indicates that God will be found in the where? Ordinary. And even in the where? 
mundane routines of life. The question is not whether God speaks to us, but whether we hear him. Say the rest with me. Have we become too distracted by the noisy routines of life? I think at one time or another, we're all east of Eden. Seems like we're there a lot. And from time to time, we don't feel God's presence either in a small way or in a really huge way. You know, we just wonder, where are you, God? And we need to be patient. And we need to continue to do the things we do when we feel God's presence right there with us. And rather than waiting for God to do something spectacular, we need to think about how God is finding each and every one of us through the mundane yet marvelous moments of everyday life. As Barnes shares, if the momentary is not sacred to you, then neither will be the momentous. Yet if the common moments of life are sacred opportunities for encountering God, then all of life will become rather spectacular. Yet if the common moments of life are sacred opportunities for encountering God, then all of life will become rather spectacular. Let's pray. God, we cry out that we don't sense you, we don't feel you. We say, don't you even hear us? And we, we wait for lightning bolts and we wait for thunder. And the truth is that you speak to us in the ordinary. You speak to us in the day-to-day. And so, God, help us, um, help us today tune into you and make some adjustments in our schedules so that we're not too busy to hear you, sense you, feel you. God, there's nothing more that you would like than for us to realize how you love us so deeply that you've wrapped us in your arms. And so, even during those times when we don't feel it or sense it, help us trust and be patient and just keep on and know that your word is true, that your love never fails. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 
Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.